Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am John Ledyard, and my boss Scott Reynolds is here on this podcast, brought to you and energized by our friends over at Celsius. Scott, not how the Bucks wanted to go into the bye, not how you and I wanted to go into the bye. What a weird game, man. I'm not, we didn't pick the Bucks to win. Weird flood of emotions after this game. I'm not really sure how to process all that we just watched. A really disjointed effort for the Bucks this afternoon. Yeah, John, and, and I think when you go back and look at the first quarter, right down 17 nothing early. Tyreek Hill just goes off for two big touchdowns, mm-hmm. and and John, we've seen this now the past month. 52 to seven, this team has been outscored in the first quarter. It's just and, crazy. And if, you, if you go back to the Giants game, it's been 59 to 10. Um, I believe they only had the lead in one of those games in the first quarter, and that was the Giants game. Uh, every other game has either been tied or, or most of them, they've been down in the first quarter. Yeah. So they dig themselves these holes. And against lesser teams like Carolina and the New York Giants, you can claw your way out of it and, you know, and, and, and eke out a win. Um, in the Bucks' case against Carolina, they ended up blowing them out in the second half. But, John, against good teams. Right. Right, it's it's just it's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, you can't do this. If you do this in the playoffs, you're done early. Right, and um, we've got so, yeah, we've we've got so much to talk problem. about on this show. Yeah, it's a huge problem. It, you know, and and because it's especially it's great quarterback. Great quarterbacks are destroying yeah. the Bucks right now. So we've got to talk about this defense. We've yeah. got to talk about John, what can be salvaged with this group, Scott. I mean, John, it is it's frustrating to watch right now. I, I'm telling you, I know exactly what the Bucks need to start off these games. They need to grab a Celsius, John. Let's go. They do. They need some of these this, this energy. I mean, here we are on the podcast late at night, and we're able to bring the energy and bring the noise because all of this is brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Your boy John, got his Celsius this week, yeah, Scott. Yeah, look at you, man. Excellent. Big times here in the Ledger household. Big times. Six cases. They, I mean, I got some good stuff here, Scott. I'm excited about I haven't even tried them all yet. I'm excited about them. I, this heat is great. haven't either. Well, what, what flavor is the heat, John? Which, which kind of So have? the heat that I have here is jackfruit. It's a pre-workout. Uh, I don't take pre-workout. In fact, I was telling you all this. I don't drink caffeine at all. I don't drink yeah. any soda or pop or I don't drink coffee, like nothing. Uh, and no energy drinks my whole life. I've never drank any of that stuff, really. Um, so this is a big it's a big change for me. So here I am, 933 at night, and um, uh, this this thing's open. This yeah, jackfruit's open. So I'm drinking this pre-workout right now. So I might have some hype on the podcast tonight scott <laughs> well i tell you they could use a little hype uh the buccaneers in the first quarter mm-hmm. you know we've talked about some of the the fruitier flavors right this is uh um the peach mango and my wife's favorite the watermelon uh, i like the orange and the grape the best myself but the one thing i i broke down and tried is the cola flavored right mm-hmm. now i used to drink pepsi and coke as a kid um and, and i'll tell you what the interesting thing about this no sugar no preservatives and it's got a tremendous cola flavor that's really right up there with those other beverages. But the thing is, is this is good for you. It's got B vitamins in it. Yeah. And again, no sugar, no preservatives. So if you like soda and and you're looking for a healthier alternative, uh, guys, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential 
functional energy. And now you yeah. can get it in cola flavored. So the best right. thing to do, John, is go to pewterreports.com. Click on those Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon. You can get the variety pack, um, like right here, where it's got all sorts of different flavors in it. If you want to try some, if you know which kind you like, go ahead and order them by the case. You save money that way. So check out pewterreport.com. Click on those Celsius banners and, and save some money by getting them in cases. Yeah, my biggest thing, like I said, I don't drink soda. I don't drink any of these flavored drinks or anything. My biggest question when I was getting them was, am I really going to like these? Because I'm, I'm a pretty authentic dude, Scott. I have a hard yeah. time faking it. So I was like, man, what if I don't like them? And then I get on the show and I have to like talk them up. I'm, it's going to be hard for me. But I really like this Celsius seed, this jackfruit, which I hadn't even heard anybody talk about. This jackfruit is awesome. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that one. And I'm excited to try the other ones. I got peach vibe um, oh, here. Cool. This uh, sparkling white peach limited edition, so yep. I, I feel honored. And then I got the sparkling orange, and I got a couple other flavors uh, downstairs that I'm excited to try as well. So Celsius, good stuff. Definitely. All right, Scott, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this game, man, what in the world? I mean, again, coming out flat. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's just it's hard to understand at this point because the issues aren't always like the same thing. But the Bucks just don't have a lot of chemistry on a consistent basis right now on offense. I mean, even early in the game, like they convert a third, you know, or I don't even know if it's a third down. They get a nice play on the play to Evans and the comeback, yeah. and then they throw deep, and it's right there. Like that's a play. Like he gets yeah. hit. Brady gets hit as he throws. It's right there. It's through, and it's through Evans' hands. And it's now it just feels like when one thing gets fixed, Brady making a great throw under pressure, mm -hmm. another thing breaks down, and it's like, man, when is this? Like, is this all gonna cut? You know, and we haven't even gotten to the coaching, but it was a drop there. Cameron Brake drops third down early yeah. in the game, and they can't convert. And it's stuff like that. It's like if the drives could sustain and if they yeah. could make these plays, we might not all be pulling our hair out, but they can't even do that. And then there's the coaching stuff that we struggle with. And, and it just John, seems like such a disjointed effort. It is. And when you look to at, at there's a, a very manageable third and three situation, right? Bruce Arians harps all the time. You know, you, you got to get out of third and seven. Okay, you're in third and mm -hmm. three. And, and what's the play call? It's, uh, I believe, the throw is to Antonio uh, Brown down the sidelines. And, um, you know, it's third and three, and you're throwing it 20, yep. 25 yards down the sidelines. I mean, where has Scotty Miller been, right? Scotty yeah. Miller, this is the fastest player on the Bucks offense. Why not do a little manufactured screen pass, a little smoke route to him, get him in space uh, with a couple blockers out in front to pick up mm. three yards? I'm telling right. you, Scotty Miller has not been a factor since Antonio Brown has gotten – here in Tampa. And I think it's really impacted their first quarter scoring. You look at the production, Scotty Miller. Yes. He's been dinged a little bit with the hip and, uh, and some, some groin issues still mm -hmm. 414 yards, 27 catches, two touchdowns. More importantly, John averaging 15.3 yards per catch. Antonio Brown has come in and gobbled up Scotty Miller's reps. And what have the bucks gotten in return? Nothing. Yeah. Right. We're talking 18 catches. For 157 yards, this is numbers coming into tonight. Tonight, he only had two catches for 11 yards, was a non-factor. But but Antonio Brown averaging 8.7 yards coming into tonight mm -hmm. and was targeted three times. Scotty Miller only got the one target. Unfortunately, it was an interception as Brady was was under duress. But, right. but John, it's like you look at at this, and, and, and Miller's been targeted 42 times. Brown, who's only been here just a month, has already been targeted 26 it, yeah. It's 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 not working out in the Bucks' favor in terms of 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 the bang for the buck that they're getting for Brown, and it's really robbing them of a player that 
that really has got the best downfield chemistry with, with Tom Brady dating back to training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, and I want to even go back to that play that you mentioned. It's that third and three, and Antonio Brown, they're using him out of the backfield on that wheel route, and it's kind of like he's first read there, right? So you want yeah. to go to Antonio Brown, but it because the play is hot, because Brady's getting extra pressure, means the offensive line don't have enough people to block. So Brady right. is adjusting the route. It's supposed to be hot, so the running back should recognize that pre-snap, but it's not a running back. It's Antonio Brown, who's and this is where people say, just use Brown out of the backfield. It's a little bit trickier than this, but still, coaching needs to go over these things. If you're going to play Brown in the backfield, then you have to know what your adjustments should be. And Brown has a perfect opportunity just to sit out in the flat, yeah. to, get, to flatten out that route and get hot, and that's where Brady's going to throw him the ball. He doesn't do that. He gets too vertical on the play, and so Brady has to throw it deep because he's running that way. So Brady can't throw him on a high percentage throw at all. And again, like, I don't know if that was communicated to Brown. I'm, I'm assuming that it was. I don't know. I mean, but he's playing out of the backfield. It's just, again, it's trying to make a lot of pieces work that necessarily don't have chemistry right now. We've seen a chemistry oh, yeah. issue with Antonio Brown in almost every game this season. I think he's a very talented player. He is yeah. unbelievable hand still, and he's made some tough catches already this season for the Bucs. But, but the reality John, is that putting this guy in the post offense is crazy. <laughs> I know. If he hasn't made impact plays. He's averaging 8.7 yards Per catch, it's not like right. he's doing anything special. Scotty Miller at least has two touchdowns this year, right? I mean, yeah. Antonio Brown has yet to find the end zone and has just been pedestrian in terms of his production. Has he made a couple of nice short catches? Yeah, fine. He's moved the chains. I mean, Cam Brate's done that. So mm -hmm. I, I just – I really think the Bucks need to rethink the Antonio Brown experiment here at, at the bye week and maybe, maybe dial his plays down a little bit and get Scotty Miller more involved. I want to thank uh, T. Smitty 3000 for the $5 super chat here. Uh, the Bucks remind me of Oklahoma. I'm a Big 12 guy, so I know exactly what T. Smitty's talking about. They'll beat up on <laughs> Baylor and Texas Tech, but are overmatched against Alabama and LSU. Same with the Bucks versus top teams. And, and, and you know what? That, that's, that's a great point. And I'm going to follow it up with another super chat from Brandon here. Wow. I uh, really appreciate these guys uh, you know, stepping up tonight. Am I wrong to feel optimistic about the second half? Good Defensive response, offense rallied after two bad picks, something to build on post-buy. To kind of put those two super chat posts together, um, the Bucs are, are getting in a hole against really good teams, right? They were down 14-0 against the Saints, 17-0 against the Chiefs. These are mm -hmm. Super Bowl caliber teams, at least playoff caliber teams. And, and you, again, you can come back against lesser teams and still find a way to win if you're a good football team. But the problem is against against really good football teams, they're not doing that. They're not getting the wins. It's it's you know it's close but no cigar. We saw that with the Rams down seven nothing in the first quarter. They lost that game you know by by a field goal. And so, right. um, I, I just I I want to be somewhat optimistic about it, but I, but I can't be because right now the Bucks are are like the Oklahoma that uh, that T. Smitty just talked about. They can beat up on the lesser teams, and that's fine. That's mm -hmm. going to get you 10, maybe 11 wins, John. Right. But the problem is you get the playoffs. There's only one bad team in the playoffs, and that's going to be whoever wins the NFC least division. Okay. Right. Otherwise, it's it's going to be it's going to be good teams yep. in there. And and it, we've seen yeah. how the Bucks are, have played against good teams, John. They've got one quality win against the Packers. They're 0-2 right. against the Saints. They lost to the Rams. They've lost to uh, the Chiefs. That's four losses against playoff caliber teams. And depending on which Raiders team shows up each week, you could call that maybe a quality. I mean, they were playing great football and have taken the Chiefs to the wire twice. Uh, you know, yeah. they've had I have a bunch of good wins. 
Bucks crush them, you know, and it, so it is it's just hard to know what's coming. And another thing, point to make, and I'll get to Brian Shaw here. We really appreciate super chat donations. All y'all coming up clutch with the super chat. So appreciate y'all. Brian asks, can we talk about the 49ers down their quarterback, tight end, D end, et cetera, tons of injuries. They got a bunch of guys in our beat the Rams at home by three points. How much better is 49ers coaching? The short answer is a lot better, but also I would don't I won't think there's a coach in the league I would take over Kyle Shanahan right now. So it's not totally like a fair comparison. I'm not I don't yeah. say it to call out any any Bucks coaches per se. But the other thing to think about is matchups too. How teams match up. Remember how I talked about the Rams? They had played two deep safeties. They want to take away the vertical ball. That's how they're designed defensively, and they play right. those bare fronts. They want to stop the inside run on early downs. The 49ers run outside zone and jets and do all kinds of things that normal offenses don't do. Are they you are saying they're creative and innovative. They're so John? creative and they're innovative. And yeah, and they do all kinds of things each game that you didn't see them do the last game. And so, and they never throw deep. So the, yeah. the, the whole essence of how the Rams are built just doesn't match up with the 49ers. It's less, look at the 49ers. It's not about their talent. It's about their scheme. Their scheme right. just beats the Rams. And they, they only had, what, 23 points today. And I think they scored a defensive touchdown. It's not like they're right. out there killing the Rams. You know what I mean? But right. schematically, right. they know how to adjust each game and play different teams, even without talent. And, and so, John. yes. Matchups matter, but also it's definitely on coaching. To a degree. You, you mentioned coaching and adjustments, and we saw Todd Bowles switch it up in the second half and go to Ross Cockrell. Ross Cockrell against yeah. Tyreek Hill, and he did a better job except for Hill's last uh, catch, which moved the sticks on that critical uh, pass play to, I think it was third down, uh, by Mahomes. And, that, and he was matched up against Carlton Davis, who just – that was not a good matchup from the start, right? I mean – I mean, yeah, especially Carlton, in off coverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carl, Carlton Davis is 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 a good cornerback who matches up really well against the 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 uh, uh, you know Michael Thomas receiver types. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, and and um, and and this this is a matchup that did not favor Carlton Davis at all. And maybe Jamel Dean would have would have been better suited against Tyreek Hill. His absence might have been really felt tonight. But the thing is, is is the first touchdown? I mean, he gave up ten yards, and, and Tyreek Hill still blew by. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not just Davis, but also I don't think that Antoine Winfield really realized how fast Tyreek Hill was because he got pretty good depth, and he got blown by too on that first touchdown. There just wasn't enough, enough safety help over the top, and and I think either Todd Bowles should have realized after that first touchdown, hey, we need to really mix this up and and just double team Tyreek Hill. We'll take our chances with Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson, and Sammy Watkins, but they didn't do that until Terry Kill had over 200 yards, and, and, the, and the Chiefs were up 17 points. So, yeah, like I want to give Bowles some credit for, right. for switching things up and, and having a better showing in the second half, but the reality, John, is the Chiefs were, were up 17 points several times in this game. At yeah. no point was it, was it a close game until the very end when the Bucs uh, you know, were down three. And, and the reason I bring that up is because during the, those times, uh, I, I think that 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 it affected the play calling of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and also Steve Spagnuolo. I, I think the Chiefs could have just destroyed uh, the, the Bucks if they really wanted to. Uh, well, I just think, just, I, yeah. I, I just think, just that, think about the missed opportunities they had in right. that game. I mean, even in the second half, you said you know the scoring wasn't there for the Chiefs, and that's true. But I mean, they have nobody within. 
20 yards of Michael Hardman for an 89 oh, yeah. yard touchdown. Oh, and and yeah. they, he kind of drops it. Mahomes kind of yeah. right. And and so it's in Mahomes tweets after the game. He's first thing. He's like, how did I miss Michael? Like, cause he <laughs> right. threw behind him a little bit, but I mean, yeah. that there's 34. And then think about the play. They had what three holding penalties in a row. Yeah. They're in box territory, deep in box territory. They have three holding penalties in a row to get them yeah. back out of there. And so it was, there was some stuff that went the Bucks' favor that honestly kept them in yeah. this game. But then I'll say on the other side of things, like if they don't drop the ball on the first couple of possessions, I mean, if Mike Evans catches that deep ball on their first yeah. possession, they're cooking. You know what I mean? Right. If Cameron Brake catches you know, that, keeps the and, chains moving. I mean, and we saw Chris Godwin stuff. make a hero play on third and fifteen with a diving catch uh, yeah. on a bomb from Brady. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 both sides need to to really. Uh, come together and and help and really in the first quarters where it, where it has to happen. It's not just this offense can't convert third downs and they're not scoring. It's the defense too, not getting stops, not getting takeaways, not yeah. helping out the offense. You know, and yeah, and- I want I want your thoughts on this, but like, what do you think that this Bucks defense can get better this season? Like, do you think that this defense? Like has hope to. I mean, at one point we were talking about them as maybe the best defense in the league. That feels so funny now to, to even mention. I mean, they have just been shredded, Scott. I mean, it's been yeah. every quarterback really since the Packers game, and I, I've talked about it before. But there were guys open in the Packers game, the, but the pressure got to Rodgers. So he was rattled. He was seeing yeah. ghosts a little bit. He's holding the ball too long. Yes, uh, they, when he should have been releasing it. They, they can get better, John. But it's the mentality when you play soft zone, you, you're going to read and react. That's, I'm not they, sure they get better this season. I'm just being honest. Well, I'm, I don't. I'm, I'm saying uh, I'm saying they can, but but they need to play press man uh, with with greater regularity, and and they need to 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 bring some pressure. Um, I I liked what how how they had finally Shaq Barrett lining up on the right side, where he got 13 of his 19 and a half sacks was on the yeah. right side last year. Right. Jason Pierre-Paul, and you saw both of them get a sack. Shaq made an impactful sack fumble inside the the the, uh, the red zone Great play the, kind the, of play the, we've been waiting for him all year yeah, yes. prevented the chiefs from making it 20 to nothing or 24 to nothing so yeah. yeah that was a great play sam shear coming through with a huge super chat for us why did it take us till the second quarter to realize that hill is faster than <laughs> davis needs up over the top i'm 16 look at the support from from sam shear here 16 and my dad got me on y'all and i appreciate the good content over the years thank you so much appreciate that that's sam. awesome um yeah, yeah, I don't know why. This is a $10 Super Chat question. I feel bad, Sam, because we can't even really answer it. I have no idea why. I don't. I mean, they didn't really help out with the safety much throughout the entire game. It was crazy. They, they, uh, they really know, did. And if, they, if Carlton Davis has a knock, it's it's deep speed. And especially think about all the plays from him, the negative plays from him this season. They've almost all, you know, remember the Darnell Mooney play against the Bears, yeah. like where he gives up, you know, off coverage, speedy guy, hits him with a route break, and he gets separation on him. That's Carlton Davis is bugaboo, especially in off coverage. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the Bucs don't even know it. And the self-scouting yeah. just has not been there. And so it is frustrating. I, I The reason I say, Scott, I don't think that necessarily it's a talent issue for the Bucs defensively, although I am starting to worry about those other corners. I mean, you know, Carlton, you got to put the scheme right for him to be at his best. And right. that matchup was a tough one. But it the was. rest of the corner, I, I don't know, Scott. And so when I say I'm not sure this Bucks defense can be much better the rest of the season, I just don't think – that I think their blitzes have been solved. Other teams have, yeah. have solved the blitzes for the most part. They still play, even though the three teams that they play left in the schedule, Atlanta twice, uh, are not very good teams. They still right. play good quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, oh, yeah. uh, Matt Stafford. You know, so 
the, right now they are getting drilled by every quarterback on the schedule. I mean, Daniel Jones, the only see. reason he can throw for 400 is because yeah. he missed those wide open plays down the field. Right. And so how does this get better? Like, I don't think Todd Bowles is going to change. You talk to people in New York and yeah. like, he never changed. Like, I, I don't think he's going to change. He can, but I don't think he's going to. So you asked me, can they? I said, yeah, they can. But the sure. thing is, is, is like, like Tony says here, where the hell is Devin White? Ever since the release me Packers game, he looks lost. I mean, uh, the reality of it is, is Todd Bowles has Devin White playing more zone coverage, and 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 as the he is blitzing him still too, but it's he's he getting is. picked up because teams yeah. know what's coming. Well, and I think the thing too is, is is those blitzes have not been as effective. Now he did have a very good game against Las Vegas out there, mm -hmm. but that was against a, a, a decimated Raiders offensive line. Yeah. Um, and two of his sacks in that game came from him being in coverage. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he was and, in coverage and ran up. And and I think the thing is 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 not having Vita Vea has has really negated his blitzing presence, and yep. he he's easier to pick up because uh, Vita would get more of a push and create more of, of an a gap window uh, for for him yep. to, to to knife through. And we're not seeing that. Steve McClendon can't do that. He can't push the pocket. Neither can Nacho. Um, you know they they they're okay against the run, but they just don't bring anything to the table against uh, the pass. And yeah, and I I think that's where where Devin White's been neutered a little bit is he doesn't have Vita Vea because those two guys could really work the a gap very well, mm -hmm. and and how, how Vita would set his guy up, White would would read off that and and hit either the a uh, weak or the a strong gap and and uh, you know and, and become an effective blitzer. But right now yeah. he's been dropping dropped in coverage a lot. He's not a very instinctive cover guy, um, and yeah, he got 12 tackles tonight. But a lot of those, it's it's you know, wait for the receiver to catch the ball and make the tackle, and they weren't right. really impactful tackles. Um, yeah, had a couple of nice stops on Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the running game, but you know, that's really about it. Right. Yeah, you know, I bring this point full circle. I was surprised that Bruce said something after the game that he said, not because I think he's wrong at all. I was just surprised that he said it. He was asked if he's surprised that they're seven and five right now. He said yes and no. And he said, I think defensively, we've had our chances to be better. Offensively, it was going to be a work in progress all season. I think that our kicking game has been outstanding for us, which was a problem in the first game only. I've seen us get better throughout the season. We just got to win the next one and stay in this playoff hunt. Everybody tried to hand us the Lombardi trophy in August. You don't just throw guys out there with names. You've got to practice and learn to get in sync with each other. And that takes time. I've got two points to make off of this, Scott. Mm -hmm. One, he definitely expected more from this defense this season. And that's yeah. the first time I've heard him say that. I think it's a right. fair assessment. I'm just surprised he said, I did not think he would say it. I guess I should always expect that because he's mm -hmm. so blunt. Todd Bowles, I don't think he's on a hot seat or anything like that. Right. But I definitely think. Arian saying that is the, I mean, he hasn't been very critical of the defense. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised to hear him say that. 143 yards. Right. They had and it should have been way worse. Nine <laughs> yard receiver. They had a 462 yard uh, quarterback today. And, yeah. and when they needed to make the critical stops on, on, they had what, I think the Chiefs converted three first downs on yeah. that final drive. So you have time after time after time uh, to stop Mahomes. He beat you twice with his legs, once with his arm. In converting those third downs, uh, and you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see stoppers on right. on this this team. And I'll tell you what, too. I mean, uh, Andamika Sue, I think has has faded. He made some plays early in the year. Um, he, we have not seen him. I mean, he made one nice uh, run stuff um, to to set up a, a fourth and short. Um, 
But Indomitian Sue just, you know, he had five tackles, mostly in the running game. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was not going to be the guy that was going to beat the Buccaneers. It was mm-hmm. going to be Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Those are the big sure. three. Edwards-Hilaire is a nice piece, right? He's a nice piece that you can use as a runner and, and, and in the receiving game. Same with Le'Veon Bell. But Le'Veon Bell was not going to beat the Buccaneers. It was going to be Hill and Kelsey and, and Mahomes. Right. Hill, 269 yards. Kelsey, 82 yards. Mahomes, 462 yards. Right. And... 28 yards rushing, including a nice 17-yard run in a play that Devin White looked lost. It was a, a mm-hmm. an option play to Edward Solaire. Yeah. And both, I think it was, was it Carlton Davis? Whitehead. It was Whitehead. Yeah, Whitehead, Whitehead had the Whitehead had the pitch guy and, yeah. and, da- and Whitehead and Devin, the and Devin you know. did too. <laughs> they yeah. <both> <laughs> <the pitch. laughs> Devin didn't, but he thought he did, or he wanted right. to. <laughs> and the thing is, is on yeah. that play, if Devin White makes the correct read, he sticks Mahomes, it yeah. doesn't pick up the first down, and probably right. I mean he's got a just clean kill shot on the quarterback right. in the run yep. game. Yep. You just got to do your job. You know, that's the thing with Devin White. Uh, you know, I, I said it to you guys. I love hearing him talk. I love his energy. I love what he has to say. I'm sure he's a great vocal leader. I think he has all the potential in the world, but it just is not happening on the field for him right now. Not in coverage. His reads are too inconsistent defensively. And yeah, like I said at the beginning of the season, he's a great blitzer, but the reality is that's just like the least important thing for a linebacker. Like the the chances to make an impact on those plays are, are, are few and far between compared to the other roles that you have as a linebacker. And, and that as the season's gone on that's become more and more clear but the other point I want to make about what Bruce Arians said here Scott is that you know he's talking about this offense offensive is going to be work in progress all season and I've heard him say I don't know remember if it was to us or if it was on Sirius or, or where it was exactly but he said that he just did not think he, he said oh no, it was after the game I think or before a game maybe he said it was on it was one of their nationally televised games and I he was talking to the sideline reporter I forget who it was and he said I don't know if we'll hit our peak this season. It may not be till next season that we hit our peak as an yeah, offense. And, and nobody I, I, really – it was pregame. And, yeah, and and so I, I don't think necessarily that they will hit their peak next season. I, we have a long time to go before we're ready to discuss right. next season. I'm focused on this season, but I think he's right in some ways about like you can't just – I think people expected – analysts and fans to be honest mm-hmm. if we're being honest about analysts they expected them to be able to throw out all this talent on the field and be able to be this great offense but i also think the fact that they aren't better than they are with all that talent right now is because bruce arians has not adjusted this offense nearly well enough as he should and yeah. i i think he's saying that as a like it just takes time type of thing but buddy, it's week twelve. Like yeah. you should be more competent than this offensively. You should be able to string drives together, mm-hmm. sustain offense better than this. I mean, it's right. not this hard. And he, no. the thing about Bruce Arians' offense that has always been true, and that I've always kind of said, is that he just makes it so hard, like on a consistent basis. And you heard Tony Romo. God bless him. He was unbelievable today on the broadcast. I heard he was preaching. I was at the stadium, so I he didn't, was I didn't tremendous. Hear the broadcast, but he was he, preaching, wasn't he? He was tremendous, Scott. And he because he wasn't saying just what everybody else says, you know, right. about the situations of the games. And he was saying specifically, here's what the problems are, and here's how they need to get better. And he's mm-hmm. saying, like on the third downs and shorts, like why every time the Chiefs sent extra pressure, it right. was vertical routes, and they're trying to I take know. shots. It's really hard yeah. to hit these shots in clean pockets when you're and getting John, hit it's just John, not sustainable long term 
this goes to what My, Mylon Thompson saying here. The Chiefs are bad against the run, and what did the Buccaneer coaches decide to do? Pass all game vertical passes. And, you know, you're right. You've brought this up before. Sometimes Bruce wants the 17-point pass play, right? You're down 17 nothing. You know, you, you want the deep shot. You're impatient. And, and, and it's, it's low-percentage, high-risk plays uh, that, that get this team into trouble. And when you hit him, it's great. Like, right, the Godwin play, when you, when you throw that third and 15 sure. and, and you hit it, that's awesome. When you hit the Gronk 48-yarder, that's great. On fourth down, Mike Evans comes through with the touchdown catch. Uh, down the right sidelines, it, it's great. And it kind of like gives you this false sense of security. Like we can do this whenever we want, but you can't. Right. You can't. It's just, and, and, yeah. and you I mean, don't do it enough. And, and I think right. where, where, um, where, where this bye week has hurt the Buccaneers, and I heard Bruce say after the game that, you know, they've already, they do self-scouting every week. And, you know, so they don't need to like self-scout this week. No, you do. And, <laughs> and you should, because you're not going to have the players there. You should be studying the hell out of what you're doing. And, yeah. And and listen, I, I don't care what what he said. I, I don't believe it because you do have a, a bye week for that purpose to go back and and sit down with the staff. There's no game to plan for, right? There's no players in the building. There's no meetings to have, and and it's the time to sit there and make those adjustments and say, you know, we're doing this, and we're not, you know, we're banging our head against the wall, and it, it's not working, and. And I, I wonder if the bye week had been two or three weeks earlier, if they would have fared better against the Rams or the Chiefs yep. and made some of these things. So I think this is where the bye week hurts the Buccaneers. Uh, the fact that it's the latest one they've ever had. It's the last one of the year, right? And and maybe looking for a positive Bucks fans, maybe they get their, their, their act together. I want to use a different word, but I won't. Mm-hmm. Their act together. And 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 it can really go three and one or four and zero down the stretch. I don't think it's sure. going to happen though. I I think that they're going two and two. Um, I I said in my original predictions ten and six. I and, and I I think that I think that they can get uh you know three more wins. I, I said two and two. I meant three and one. I think they can go three and one. That would get them to ten and six. Um, I don't know where the loss. Ten, is yeah, ten come and from. six is the worst that they should be. There's no yeah. question. They should yeah. win these rest of the, these three game these next three games. As much as we've talked about the quarterbacks that they face, the the defenses that they're about to face are bottom of the league type of defenses. So right. you have to be able to be successful in, in those situations, and that's why I say offense has to carry this team the last month because I yeah. just don't think the defense is getting that much better, Scott. I think right. that this is kind of you know you hope that they're opportunistic still. I was encouraged some by the pass rush today. There's some weak offensive lines definitely left on the schedule, so I'm encouraged by that. But the reality of this team, Scott, and to continue the point that I was making about the, the this offense, is it just makes things too hard in certain situations. Romo did a great job of pointing out how how erratic the Bucks are in hot read situations. So extra pressure is coming. Brady is expecting something, and receivers just look lost. I mentioned the Antonio Brown play. I know that Brady, I would say he poorly placed the ball on the on the interception that went off the player's helmet. It's kind of an yeah. unlucky bounce that ended up being picked. But right. he, again, on the hot, Evans is just continuing to kind of drift down the field, doesn't really understand what he's supposed to be doing there. Again, it's like you have to know these things going into the game. This is coaching. These are attention to details, details that Kansas City has down perfectly in a way more complex offense. Right. And so I think that it's just one of those things that, until they start making those easy plays, you know, those are the plays that everybody wants to talk about. The Bucks right. are 
you know, X amount of big plays. You know, they hit a bunch of big plays in this game. They mm-hmm. had the one drop by Evans, but they still hit, went up, came back and hit a bunch of deep plays down the field. You know, that that the way that they were going in the beginning of the season may have been a little bit unsustainable, but so was the way that it was the last couple of games. They were going to start hitting the big plays again, and Brady threw it really beautifully in this game. But the problem is they rely so much on it in those situations. They don't have those hots always built in. So the Scotty Miller interception, for example, extra pressure. Brady mm-hmm. sees it pre-snap. He knows where he's going, and he should. Right. He's predetermined. One-on-one coverage with Scotty Miller on the outside. The problem is you can't get off a good throw if they time the snap out. You're getting right. hit right away. Yeah. And Rojo blowing the protection didn't help him either. He's getting hit from two angles yeah. as he makes that low percentage throw from a clean pocket, let alone – and then, it, of course, it gets intercepted. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm not saying that Brady made the best throw in that situation, but look at the process. And this is why people are like, oh, you're never going to criticize Brady for this, or oh, Romo didn't criticize Brady. He's not criticizing Brady because there's a bigger issue than Brady's throw. There's mm-hmm. a process that's creating a situation where a bad throw is more likely. And this is kind of like the essence of Arian's offense. It makes bad throws, turnovers, and sacks more likely because of the nature of the offense. When extra pressure comes, he wants to go down the field. It's just it, – you might hit one, and Brady made a couple unbelievable – I mean, the throw to Godwin was – one of the best throws you'll see about quarterback all season. Oh, yeah. It was just unbelievable. It was but, a fantastic catch by right. Godwin. Too. But you're right. But when you look at the large picture, how mm-hmm. consistent is that approach and how sustainable is that approach? I just don't think you can do it. As I mean, every time the Chiefs sent extra pressure, oh, almost yeah. every time they were through deep. I mean, it's just because everybody's going and vertical John, in this. It, situation. it got to the point there were a couple times where Spagnolo just called off the dogs. He could have he could have continued that every single down. Yeah. And probably the Chiefs win this game by 17 points or more. Uh, it just got to the point where it's like, well, you know, the only enemy is our, is the clock. Really, we have this lead, and we're you know we're we're gonna you know we're gonna dial it back a little bit so they don't hit some big plays because you know the the Bucks did hit some big plays in yeah, the second I mean, half. The, the 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 Godwin catch, the Gronkowski catch, the Evans catch uh, for the touchdown as you both touched down. So, um, you know, I I, I listen. I I think one of the things too is. Is we're having a lot of, of Rojo love tonight, and I appreciate that because I thought that Rojo had a great game. He he played um, awesome. He played he really awesome. Did. And, played and awesome. A, a lot of them are like, you know, why why do they stop? You know, feeding Rojo. Well, the problem is you're down seventeen to nothing. Right. And yes, he had a fantastic thirty-seven yard touchdown catch, uh, which was a great catch and run individual effort. And you know he. He was targeted twice, caught the ball once. Leonard Fournette, three of three, John. <laughs> uh, the problem is he only caught uh, three passes for 10 yards, which is uh, consistent with his uh, lack of yak uh, after making the catch. But the thing yeah. is, is is when you're down by that many yards, I mean, Ronald Jones averaged 7.3 yards per rush. He had a 34-yard run, ended with nine carries for 66 yards. You'd like to to feed him the rock more. The Chiefs' run defense was, was the most suspect unit on the field their linebackers are or i don't want to say trash but they're average at best yeah. and, and and you you couldn't play to that advantage because you can't convert a third down you can't stop touchdowns in the first quarter and you're down 17 nothing before you know it right it's 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 that's the thing because i know people are going to say oh I, I can't believe they abandoned the run i want them to run the ball more and you know they did run it well and the chiefs are actually designed so you can run it but again it comes back to exactly what you said scott when you were down in a game like that to patrick mahomes you know that you've got to score like and so it becomes tough to stick with any approach that isn't max aggression because you know once you've spotted them 17 
Like you have to make every drive yeah. pretty much count in order to be successful. It's very rare that you'd even end up in a situation like this where you could get back in a game with as incomplete as the Bucs were on offense. So I understand the Bucs approach. I, I understand why fans are frustrated nine carries when you're, you know, when you're averaging over seven yards a carry and they were running it well. And, I, you know, I've been critical of Rojo and deservedly so. I mean, I'm not yeah. throwing out the big picture here he played because I'm today. praising him for he one really game. Did. But he played great in this game. And it was, and again, it, he caught the pass, Scott, and he yeah. just – Hit the gas. Yes. He just ran straight fast. Like, I don't understand Made a couple guys why miss, that's so hard. Got right. a touchdown. I know. When he didn't um, hesitate, when he saw a guy right. coming, I was like, what? Like, yeah. it was amazing to me. And I and he scored. You know, like, I just don't get it. Here's, here's a couple of things that I want to point out real quick uh, about the Bucks offense. They're really kind of uh, gnawed on me a little bit. And, and I asked Bruce Arians the final question, I believe, uh, of the press conference uh, about why didn't he use the timeouts in the first half, at the end of the first half, uh, I thought he used them early, uh, which which you want to do because you got the two minute warning, and and really time is is of is is of the essence when you you are trying to get uh, those ten points to to tie the game. They got the touchdown, and and I, I thought he did a good job of using those early. And the thing is, is I asked him why didn't he use the timeouts? Because by the time the Chiefs kicked the field goal right before halftime to go up twenty to to ten. Um, you know, they had 11 seconds uh, left on the clock and they had three timeouts. And I hate when coaches go into halftime, unless you get a big lead with any timeouts, much less three. But I, so I asked Bruce, you know, why didn't he call some of those timeouts early on? And he says, well, there's no way I'm giving, you know, Patrick Mahomes any more time. Okay. The problem is, is, is the Chiefs still scored. Right. Yeah, you know, they, that they, didn't make sense. Yeah, they, like like once you once they get to the 30 40 yard line, uh I mean if if they're going to score they're going to score, right? Yeah, I didn't they're understand. They're going to score a touchdown or a field goal. So they scored the field goal. Well, the timeouts have nothing to do whether whether you're going to hold them to a field goal or a touchdown, right? Right. It wasn't like the Chiefs had to kick the field goal because they didn't have time. No, they kicked the field goal because you stopped them and it was fourth down. But the problem right. is is this is this is a uh, a, a, a game where every possession against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is precious, and you wasted one because you know I, I would have rather seen the Buccaneers have 45 seconds left and no timeouts than mm -hmm. 11 seconds and three timeouts left, right? Because if you can, you got a, a kicker who's money and Ryan Suckup. If you can sit there and trade field goals and only be down seven points, um, guess what? That field goal that you needed at the end of the game, you could have got maybe at the end of the first half, if you're more creative with your timeout and clock management. I think the other right. thing, John, and you mentioned this in our group text, our Peter Report group text, mm -hmm. the play calling. Rob Gronkowski opens up the, the second half, gets you a 48-yard gain down to the four-yard line. They end up losing yeah. yards and settling for a field goal inside of, of their 10-yard line, right? And, yeah. and, boy, don't you think those four points that they missed out on could have been beneficial, John, right? Based on the final score, Scott, my analysis is yes, they would have been beneficial in a game that they lost by three. But no, I wrote about this. This was to, this was the game changer moment to me. And 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 I, there are positive things to say about this offense, and I will say them in a second. But that was the game changer moment to me. Was you know, you come out, uh, you know, you had scored your last possession of the first half. You look like you were getting a rhythm. They come out, you know, right down the field, running the ball well, throwing the ball well. Big play to Gronkowski. Haven't hit that over route in a couple of weeks after torching Green Bay and and and, and Las Vegas with it come back you hit that route and and you know it's been it looks like they're cruising they're down at the five yard line and then you know Fournette 
I just don't understand, man. This offense is more talented than any team in the league, yeah. basically, and they just and I believe continue Brock to Husky utilize Fournette. In the end zone. I went back and looked back at it. In fact, I think I can pull it up here for people to see. Um, but he he really isn't open um, until I think the linebacker stops when he sees Fournette get the ball. Um, and I think that's – and then Gronkowski keeps running. And so I think that's kind of maybe what made people okay. think that he was maybe a little bit open on that play. And maybe, you know, with the leverage – here it is. With the leverage of Gronkowski – you know, coming across the defenders kind of right there, you right. know, maybe it, it maybe if a perfect throw kind of opens it up, but again, right. it's like one of those or, Romo said or, on or the broadcast. The thing like, where you, you, you pump fake, right? I mean, you pump fake pump it. to Fournette and, and keep that defender uh, up. And then Gronk is, is just running wide open towards, towards the back of the end zone there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, that Romo said in the broadcast, he said, the problem is they don't run the play. They, that's the first time I think the Bucks have run that play all season. And so yeah. when you don't run it, you know, you're used to, you're going your first read when you're running it. And then you're looking at how defenses adjust. And then you're looking at where your second and third reads could be on a play like that. And so yeah. there's a lot of factors to it, but bottom line, I mean, it's a design play to go to Leonard Fournette. He's your first read. That's where you want to go on that play. Like the whole motion is designed to pull people away from Leonard Fournette. And I just don't understand why like I, he doesn't do anything when he gets the ball so even if the chiefs hadn't read it perfectly which and they did else, credit John, to them it's just curious you know, he also hasn't done anything when he catches the ball is antonio brown um mid master toy museum 1979 antonio brown has to be a bigger factor in the game plan moving forward i disagree i disagree yeah. I, I would rather see more mike evans more chris godwin more rob gronkowski more scotty miller you know, um, he I, wasn't a big factor today either. Like, they didn't no. use him, Antonio Brown, very much Two today. It was a big, yards. yeah, and, big Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob yeah. Gronkowski day, and the offense looked pretty good as a result. Now, I, I, I'm like balanced between after you and, and, quarter, John, and, and, and mid, right. <laughs> Sorry. After the first quarter, yeah, everything yeah. good is after the first quarter, just the, with uh, this team, yes, all time asterisks, yeah, with this team in general. Yeah. Uh, mid master toy museum, when he's saying that about ABI. I don't know that I like I don't think AB is necessarily like the guy holding the team back or anything but I do think that you're right Scott and that I think there's been a problem with the cohesiveness of the offense. I don't think it's necessarily I'm not like blaming Antonio Brown. Right. I just think that the reality of plugging a guy into an offense that is frankly not a simple offense yeah. this this quickly, you know what I mean, is is just tough. Like he's just not there. There's been mistakes right. in every game and so I've written about most of them. And so I just think it's asking a lot of a guy. And I think that at this point, I'm not sure that he knows the offense as well as the snap counts Warren. And so, um, you know, that's, that's something to consider. I don't think it's like yeah. the biggest thing. I just think it's something to consider. Like you said, Scotty, well, you might need more touches. We, we got, yeah, we got Raymond P disagreeing with me here. Give me a break. Scott Miller, not a big factor. He, he hasn't been a big factor in this offense over the past month. He was a leading receiver Brown, going into, yeah. Leading receiver. Right. It, going into the Saints game. Yes. And, you know, I mean, he still has, despite, being an afterthought in this offense, 414 yards. He's got the the, the best receiving average on this team, 15.3. Mike Evans only at 12.5. Gronkowski only at 12.9. He's got two touchdowns. Yeah, it's so, difficult I mean, to think of how Scotty Miller could have been better over the first half of the season, given the reality of who he is and right. his skills. I just don't know that he could have been yeah. much better than you. I think he was huge for this team. With, with Evans playing, I mean, Evans wasn't really himself until about the Giants game probably. Um, and yeah. so, you know, in Godwin, and I mean, Godwin played half the games and most of those he was banged up and not hundred percent. And so Scotty, who was playing hurt, uh, playing as well as he did, I think he was 
one of the more valuable players in the team through the first half of the season. And now he's not a factor at all. I mean, he barely even plays and barely touches the ball. It's, it's, it's curious. There's no doubt about it. Again, what I said about Antonio Brown at the time, people I <laughs> go in the chat of yeah. the, of the podcast that I did solo the night they signed Antonio Brown and people were saying like, Oh, give me a break. Like Antonio Brown, clearly better than Scotty Miller. This isn't a hard concept. It, it gets a lot harder when you recognize nuance in these things. It's right. not as simple as Antonio Brown is better at football than Scotty Miller. It's does Antonio right. Brown know the offense? What's his role in the offense? How does it's it open things up for other Brady. people? Especially What's his chemistry with Tom Brady? The timing. It just, it's just different. It does it's not as simple as people think it is. You just slap a bunch of talented players on, right. on one side of the field. And it's especially not that easy yeah. when the coaching isn't as good as it should be. The attention to detail isn't as good as it should be. Then the scheme hasn't adjusted to make things easier for everybody involved. Right. I think that's part of the problem right now for the Bucks. And, and, and I think the thing too is, 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 you know, we have to, to point out, I mean, Antonio Brown is, is 32 and he hasn't played football really since the 2018 season. And we haven't seen, I haven't seen anything that makes me believe that he is a superstar Pro Bowl caliber receiver that he was a couple of years ago. Well, I mean, yeah. I think he still makes great catches. I mean, he still made tough catches and he's made tough plays after the catch. I mean, you know, he knows how to get vertical and he knows how to, you know, I think he can be elusive and those things. The Bucks offense doesn't scheme players into space very well. So it's a weird fit for him. I mean, he's been yeah. open vertically too. It's just a matter of getting on the same page with Brady. And, you know, we mentioned the Panthers game. You know, everybody right. talks about that miss. Well, I wrote about it. I mean, AB just flattens out that route way too right. much. I talked to Mark Instead Schofield about it. about it. Yeah. Right. And Schofield's going to be on the podcast, by the way. He's studied Tom Brady's entire career. Big Patriots guy, big quarterback guru. Yeah. He's going to be on the podcast this week, I think Wednesday, and yeah. he's going to break it all down. He's going to talk about the fit uh, mm -hmm. of Arians and Brady. You know, that's going to be a great show. He, he's watched Brady every snap of Brady for years. And so he knows everything about the guy. He knows that Bruce Aaron's offense extremely well. So he's going to be, it's going to be a very enlightening show. And I think we might have some other guests to discuss it too. So by the end of this week, Bucks fans, you are going to know everything you need to know about offense and scheme and fits and how the players are working together offensively between Mark and some of the other guests we have lined up. We are going to hit this thing full bore going into this bye week. Right. So, um, so make sure you subscribe uh, over on YouTube, Pewter Report Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell. We're, so I think we're so close, or we're a couple subscribers away from from two thousand, which would be which would be a huge mark for yeah. us. And we start marching toward three thousand. So hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell to get the notifications because we've got some good shows coming your way this week that's going to break all this down. But yeah, I think that I mean there is just. There is so many things about this offense that look so good, and they did some great things in this game, Scott. I mean, I give Leftwich crap about the bad stuff, but the reality is there's good stuff too in this game. I mean, there's yeah. there's they used some play action and they hit big plays off of it, mm -hmm. and they used it when they were down 17 points, and right. they, you know the threat of run wasn't you know sure. big deal, whatever, uh, because it works anyway, and they know that even if they don't want to say it to the media. Um, yeah. And so they dial up the big plays and they got big plays off of that. I think Brady made a bunch of really good plays under pressure, especially mm -hmm. considering how often the Chiefs sent it and how right. the routes are just not advantageous for him. And he still made a couple great throws. I mean, the dime to Evans early in the game as he's hit, the dime to Godwin later in the game. I just think he made some great plays under pressure. And the other thing about Brady in this game that I loved, I didn't think that the, you know, the mistakes – you know, the, the the turnovers, you know, which I think again, I think there's layers to it, but the mistakes and even the inconsistency with the offense didn't seem to frustrate him like it has in the primetime games. Like he didn't unravel 
right. under the pressure. And like I thought he got just kind of and pissed John, in a couple of their games recently. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And John, this was 17 nothing, right? I mean, this 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 could have been 24 nothing, 31. It oh, yeah. could have been the Saints game all over again. And to oh, yeah. the Tampa Bay's credit, it wasn't. I mean, this right. team showed fight and resolve. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think that that, that bears saying I, we don't want to like you know completely you know piss on the Buccaneers all night, but but the thing is, is this team showed a ton of resolve. And yeah, they yep. made some adjustments, and, and yeah, it was too late to dig out of a seventeen nothing hole against the defending Super Bowl champions. But yeah, I mean, um, I would have been it would have been curious to see what Brady could have done with a minute left and maybe you know sixty yards to to go. Right? Uh, could he have gotten them into suck up territory? Uh, would it would have tied the game, gone overtime? I'm not saying they would have won. Um, it would have been interesting if the Bucks defense had gotten a stop if they had figured out enough stuff on offense or what if Steve Spagnuolo just brought the house again and forced Brady into another interception like like we saw last week against the Rams. Uh, we'll never know, but but uh, a lot of fight and resolve to claw back into this game and really after that 17 nothing hole only allow a high-potent uh, offense like Kansas City just 10 points. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we had a, a question there with along with the, a dollar super chat uh, from Pelagic and, and Pewter. Um, are, are we seeing a bust class from Jason Light from the 2019 class? I don't think it's a bust class. I just thought that with all the playing time that Devin White and Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards had, and even Anthony Nelson, um, that, that, that those guys would have been further along this year into their second year, right? And yeah. maybe maybe it's maybe it's year three. Carlton Davis, it, it, his second year was similar to the first. You know, always about this far away from making a play. Only had one interception his first two years. Then really blossoms this year and becomes a hell of a of a cornerback. Today was the exception, just because it was not a good matchup at all. But I expected a little bit more de- development from Mike Edwards, from Jamel Dean, who didn't play obviously with the concussion, from Sean Murphy Bunting, who is kind of plateaued at best, if not taking a bit of a of a, of a, a downward spiral, not spiral, a, a nosedive is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and Anthony Nelson, who I know that you're a huge fan of, John, because of his pass rushing prowess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, and I don't even blame Anthony Nelson. Like, he just is what he is. And, you right. know, I could have told you that coming out, and the Bucks should have known that going into this year. And, you know, it's a position they didn't address enough. And I wrote about it going into the year. It's the weakest spot on this team. You know, they don't have a third pass rusher. It's going to hurt them when they got to go – into you know long down and distance situations and they could get you know more pass rushers on the field and um then when Vega got hurt it was kind of like a depth thing and and so yeah I mean there's a lot Scott to, to what you're saying that 2019 class is still kind of up in the air I mean I'll be honest I am just so frustrated with Devin White I yeah. just he just should be better than he is and he talks such a great game and like I know he studies and I know he works hard and I'll never question any of that stuff with him. But the reality, Scott, is that he just wasn't very good today. Yeah. And he hasn't been good enough for most of the season. There's splash plays here and there. But consistency is just not there with him. And yeah. I'm not saying he's a bust or anything like that yet. Like, we got to wait. This guy's too many splash plays to say anything. Right. Too many flashy plays and moments to and, say that. But we're being honest, too, Levante David was rather pedestrian today with, with eight tackles. I mean, yeah, know? he just missed tackles. I don't yeah. you know. The last couple of weeks with him, I don't know, missed tackles. I mean, we don't. 
you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm me, I'm, I'm not above, you know, criticizing anybody. Right. I, I criticized, I blasted Brady last week. I bought, you know, probably yeah. everybody at some point in the team, I was tweeting today. I just think Mike Evans has to be way better than he, he was in this game. I thought he dropped a couple passes and, yeah. you know, he, I thought, he, you know, we want to see him in contested catch situations. He gets a shot and he just looked like he totally mistracked the ball and mistimed right. his jump. And again, so it's just, you know, those, you know, you don't want to criticize Mike Evans, Lamonte David, no fan does. Those are their guys. Those yeah. are the guys well, that have carried high effort guys. That's right. That's that's the thing, right? I mean, exactly. they, they care. Uh, they're not slackers. I mean, but they didn't play their best football today in a huge right. game. And and yeah. so if we're going to, you know, blast other guys for their mistakes, we got to say yeah. that about them too. Like they, they both played poorly today. I thought yeah. considering we, what they could be. We got uh, Garvey here uh, with 17 up and speak on that. That's the problem. You're right. We, if you missed the first part of the podcast really quickly, uh, 15 to seven, the Bucks have been outscored in the last four games in the first quarter. If you go back to the Giants game, they've been outscored 50, 59 to 10 yeah. in the last five games. So uh, th- that's that's a big problem. And, and against good teams, again, uh, New Orleans, uh, the L.A. Rams, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, you're not going to come back. You're not going to dig yourself out of that hole and come back. Against the Panthers, against the Giants, lesser teams, you can. You know, but And, and the problem is, is the Bucs are a good team, not a great team. And they're playing some very good to slash great teams, and they're just not doing enough to win. And that's – that's that's typical of a good team. A good team, if you, if a good team wants to beat a great team, either the great team has to not show up and bring its A game, right, and yeah. has to play at C level, and then your B level team beats the C, or you gotta you know play above yourself, play you know uh, play above your abilities as a B team, and and really play like an A team, and and hope that the other team makes some mistakes. And you know we just didn't see that. At the end of the day, too, the turnover margin, John, just two two to nothing, and and that was key. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahomes had one interception, but it was it was uh, uh, negated with a JPP, you know, pick, um, or I should say the um, uh, roughing the passer call. It was somewhat questionable. I thought he hit hit his shoulder to a degree, but the the refs are gonna they're gonna call that, you know. Yeah. Um, and we saw Frank Clark get two of those. So it just uh, it's just bad, guys. We love the super chats. Thank you. Keep them coming tonight. We're working on on the budget for Mark Cameras uh, right. webcam. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are putting a big dent in that, which is fantastic. Animal, what's up, Joe? Uh, how much of the play is due to not having a bye till now? Eleven consecutive weeks, actually, it's twelve weeks of football. It does take a toll, right? Yeah, I think, I think, I think the the one thing too. This this was a a, a Buccaneer team that that is also coming off of a short week, John. Right? I mean, they just yeah. played on Monday, right? So that's right. that is part of it too. And and then I think that that having all of those consecutive weeks. You know, the, the one thing that I want to mention about the bye week that I thought uh, Bruce Arians uh, really pointed out that I didn't really think of, but a lot of teams during the bye week, when they get back into the building, they bring COVID with them, and all of a sudden they get some some players missing. What do the Buccaneers have had? Jaden Mickens, right, this year with, with COVID? Yeah. Um, and, and Kenyon Barner, right, who was, on, who was on injured reserve anyways. But they haven't had any starters miss any time Due to COVID, the Buccaneers have been probably the model franchise when it comes to COVID protocols and not yeah. having guys that that have that have missed time due to COVID. Look at the Baltimore Ravens; they were supposed to play on Thursday, John. Then they're supposed to play today. The they're having to play on Tuesday, right. and and the Denver Broncos played the day with no quarterbacks. So it's a huge factor, and so you, you have to hope and pray that the Buccaneers are smart during the bye week and when they get back. It's it's all business against the Minnesota Vikings with everyone on the roster um, healthy and and COVID free. Right. It's man. I mean, 
we're getting to that point where we got to get our game balls out here too. But yeah, I mean, yes. it's you're absolutely right. This is team. I'm not saying that they're going to make a Super One. I don't know that yet, but I I know that the Chiefs and the Rams, and I know I, the the Rams lost today, and everybody, every good team, pretty much in the league, especially in the yep. NFC, has lost one that they shouldn't lose uh, this year. It's just the, the way it's gone in the NFC, and that's why I'm saying like. I know the Bucs have their issues, but everybody does. Like yep. every week we say, oh, the Packers, you know, the Packers are crushing the Bears as we speak. You know, oh, the Packers look like the best team. You know, I mean, like the Saints, oh, the Saints, you know what I mean? this. I mean, the Saints are out there putting up 31 points without throwing a – like they threw for like 70 yards today. I mean, th- 31 points on right. Vic Fangio's defense. I know the Broncos are totally banged up, but just ridiculous. I mean, I don't even uh, – you know, again, what separates the Bucs and uh, the other teams in the NFC right now, in my opinion – is coaching. I just think schematically other teams are just further ahead uh, yeah. than where the Bucks are. But the Bucks do have talent, and talent matters in, in, in one-game situations. That's right. Like, that stuff can really matter. And so um, let's get to our game balls, though, because yeah. uh, we got to get to our game balls and then talk a little bit about uh, the outlook for the season right now. And right now, John, we're, before we get to the game balls, we're going to talk about balls, right? I mean, football's back. Oh, yes. And, and that means it's time to throw you on your team's favorite colors and Make sure you don't fumble your grooming below the waist, if you know what I mean. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a big hit. So you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is here with a surefire touchdown with the best tools for your grooming experience. And, John, it's just in time for the holidays. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this bad boy right here. It's the Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer. It's the Lawnmower 3.0, John. And the best part about this is you got one, too. Yep. I know Mark thinks it's weird that we keep him at our desk, but it's just for the show. I promise everyone. Exactly. Just, we, just for the show. Take, we take our business in the bathroom, but uh, but we bring these out here and and check this out too. It's got it's got a light so you can, yeah. you can see what you're doing down there. It's very important. And so Manscaped, their engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags are going to be reduced. Now, here's the cool thing. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new, improved lawnmower. It's waterproof. You can do it in the shower. Cordless body trimmer. Performance boxer briefs that I love. They're fantastic. They're comfortable. In this travel bag right here. So you can have all of your Manscaped products uh, you know, on the go. So when you're traveling for the holiday season... Um, you know, everything goes right here in the Manscaped bag. It, it makes a great gift. And you get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. So go Can't to manscaped.com and put in pewter. 20% off free shipping. It makes a great gift for yourself, for your dad, for your brother, for your college roommate, for your best friend, for your uncle. You know, whoever you want it to give this to, it's, it's a fantastic gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, not only does it come with with the the lawnmower 3.0, um, it also comes with with a couple of other goodies, uh, such as the preserver right here. This is the preserver; it's ball mm-hmm. deodorant. Okay. The other thing that comes with is the ball reviver right here. This is the ball toner. So uh, great manscaped products for you, for your loved ones. And the best part about it is, okay, fine. We're going to throw something else in there. How about this? Pewter Report t-shirt right here. We got them in white, gray, and black. And and to, to get this, so here's the thing. 
get Manscaped for yourself. Or if you want to send it as a gift, that's awesome. But you want this T-shirt for yourself, don't you? Of course you do. Oh, yeah. So all you got to do is place your order at Manscaped. Email me your emailed copy of your receipt. The great thing is it has none of your financial information. I don't want it. Don't need it. None of that is on your email receipt. Email that to me at srreputerreport.com, and I'm going to email you back saying what color T-shirt you want and what your size is, and we'll send that to you. Uh, all you got to do is, is, again, email me your receipt uh, from Manscaped showing us that you made the purchase by using the pr promo code Pewter. You're going to get the Pewter Report T-shirt. So you win, and uh, you get a, a great gift uh, for yourself or for a loved one this holiday season. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Pewter, 20% off and free shipping. All right, Scott, it's game balls time. We got to come up with uh, some winners from this game. A little bit easier than it was uh, a week ago. Uh, a little bit easier than it was against the Saints game, <laughs> looking at the Bucks' last three losses. I mean, there are good things about this game, but, I mean, offensively for me, Scott, I got to go with Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, there were a bunch of guys that could shout out in this game, but but what Rob Gronkowski is doing is totally flying under the national radar. And I, you know, he had the bad game against the saints where he dropped a couple passes and early in the year, everybody's like, look at Rob Gronkowski. And they're laughing at him, but Rob Gronkowski at 106 yards receiving today, he caught some huge, he made some huge catches down the seam, a couple 20 plus yarders. He had a great game. He has been just huge for this bucks team. I mean, the blocking is one thing, but Rob Gronkowski has 37 catches for 505 yards this season, Scott. In the NFL this year with four games to go, I mean, he's going to be maybe the second-ranked tight end in receiving yards in the league. Rob Gronkowski, the way people laughed at him over the first couple weeks of the season, has just been great for this Bucks team. Yeah. And we mentioned the touchdowns, uh, you know, and he, said he hasn't had one of those in a few weeks unless I'm remembering right. wrong. But, I mean, overall, this has just been – it's been – a welcome sight to see Gronk being able to make plays like this in this offense to get vertical. Again, everybody's like, he can't run. He runs a six second 40. I don't know, man. Like he seems like he's showing up pretty well in that area to me. I don't see, have an issue with Gronkowski speed. Um, he's making plays vertically. He's averaging almost 14 yards a catch this season. I think he's been huge for this Bucks offense and he was huge for them today. So he gets my offensive game ball. Okay. Defensively, whew, tougher to find one. Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to. I know who you want to shout out. So, but I'm, so I'm gonna go with Shaq Barrett. I think I know who you who you want to shout out. I'm gonna go with Shaq Barrett just because I thought he had his best game of the season. Not only the strip sack, I just thought he was more of a factor in this game than he'd been all season long. I cannot stand the neutral zone infractions. How this team is so undisciplined drives me absolutely bonkers. I mean, after the Rams game, when you gave him two first downs in the like that should never yeah. be an issue. I appreciate Shaq Barrett after the game. He really owns it, man. He owns it. Like, he's just so honest, and I like that about him. But he was like, they asked him about the new, you know, the jumping off sides, and if it's frustrating for him. He was like, honestly, it's been, always been a problem for me, and it's really frustrating that it's still a problem for me. He's like, well, I just harp on him practice and get in the game and blow it. Um, so I appreciate the self scouting, but don't do it anymore. But also, he was good in this game. I mean, he really yeah. put pressure, a lot of pressure on Mahomes in this game. He did everything he could. I thought the defensive line was. Honestly, for the most part in the game, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. You just can't – like Mahomes just makes plays under pressure and out of structure that are hard to even so be mobile, believed. You know, yeah, I mean, he's just unbelievable. Mobile. In the pocket, he can pick up yards uh, on scramble plays, which he did a couple times tonight in key situations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, – and I'll start there too. I don't know who you thought I was going to pick, but I think Shaq Barrett's going to get my game ball as well. Um, oh, I thought you were going to go JPP maybe. 
Well, yeah. Listen, he I had like, a good game too. Yeah, I like having those guys where they are. And I asked Shaq after the game. I said, "Was this a coach's decision, or did you and JPP say let's switch sides?" Again, it's like Shaq Barrett. I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but he had most of his production going up against left tackles one on one last year. Yeah. He had nineteen and a half sacks and six forced fumbles, John. And you know, for whatever reason, he's saddled to having to go up against right tackles and face a lot more double teams with tight ends. And not just that, he's also looking, he's in the quarterback's line of, of view, right? He's in the line of fire. Quarterbacks are going to see him coming off that that uh, right, or coming off the left side, I should say, easier than the blind side. And what did we see tonight? They switched it up. And I asked uh, Shaq why they did that. And he said that Larry Foote, their, their uh, linebackers coach, liked the matchups better. And I hope, honestly, Great that it sticks. Yeah, yeah, I hope it sticks because I think Shaq Barrett does his, his best work with with his first step, and yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't like to see those neutral zone infractions. But John, we saw him with that that blind side hit fumble um, that that uh, that prevented a scoring opportunity for Kansas City and, and ignited the Bucks offense, gave him a spark. They went down and got the touchdown there. So Jason Pierre-Paul also got a sack from that side, um, and, and I, I I like that. I want to see more of that going forward. Offensively, I like your pick about Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I'm going to switch it up though. Chris Godwin. Still yeah, has pins in his finger. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Mike Evans. Listen, three catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns, right? Those were big big scores for sure, but with nine targets, right? And, and we saw Mike, um, you know, struggle to catch some of those passes. Chris Godwin, on the other hand, uh, eight catches on nine targets, 97 yards today, and 44-yard uh, play on third and 15, which I thought was, was – uh, was just an amazing catch. Uh, he was well covered. Great ball by Tom Brady, and and a, just a hero play by Chris Godwin, selling out, diving for it, making sure the ball didn't hit the ground. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm going to have to go with Godwin and Barrett for my my game balls. And uh, you know, look at this. We have a chat from from Pewter Report. <laughs> I don't. I think this is Mark watching the show. Maybe Mark Probably. says, "Dudes." Donovan Smith playing on one leg. I've beaten him up as much or more than anyone. Yeah, that's got to be Mark. Yep. But he's a warrior. Uh, yeah, great point. I mean, yep. Donovan Smith, I wish Bucks fans understood. I try to point it out on tape. I wish Bucks fans understood how tough Donovan Smith is and how nasty he plays. You know, for some reason, I think it's because his reps look sloppy at times. You know, and I, I've said his technique can get away from him. But yeah. this guy is an absolute warrior, and he is tough. And he finishes as often as he can. And I know his tape leaves something to be desired at times. I know his technique can get sloppy. I've talked about that. I've been honest about that. But I don't like throwing out everything about a player because they make a couple of bad plays. I'm, yeah. I'm against that. I, you, we can have a discussion about whether Donovan Smith deserves the money he's going to be paid next year. Um, we can talk about that for sure. Like That's a valid conversation. But this all this getting ragging on every time Donovan Smith gives up a sack or gives up a pressure when he might play great, you know, 50 out of 53 snaps in a game. You know, we, we don't we only talk about the negative with him. And I think we got to normalize talking more about the positives with him because he's done a lot of really good things. And he has developed a lot since he's been in the league. And somebody is going to pay him to be a starting left tackle in the NFL because the reality is he's better than about half the league. You know, that's just the way that it is in this position. So. I think it warrants a lot of consideration his play, and I thought he was—he hung in there tough in a game where he I was agree. not at 100. I, I think I think George Rivera, uh, as my closing comment, I think I think George Rivera is right on the money here. The 14 million needs to go to Godwin, not Donovan Smith. And the reason why I agree with that is because next year the salary cap is going way down, and 
the Bucks and every team are going to have to make some really tough decisions. And at fourteen point two five million dollars, uh, I just don't know if if they're going to uh, get, you know, if they're if they're going to give that to Donovan Smith next year. It's not guaranteed. This is the final year of his guaranteed money. They have to re-sign Chris Godwin. Where's the money going to come from? A lot of guys on this team right now, uh, John, that are set to be free agents next year. Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, uh, and Dominica Sue, Levante David. There's a lot of star power that is not under contract in 2021, and they're going to have to make some cuts somewhere. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as hard as some people think. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I mean – I mean, you're right. I mean, you have to replace Indomitian Sue, but I don't think Indomitian Sue is like they don't have anybody. He's in the not roster irreplaceable, to start right, now. right? Yeah, I, right. I think, and there's I mean, some guys that are, you know, like AB and some of those guys. I'm like, yeah, I think it's fine, you know. But I think you're right. Like Godwin and, and David have to get; they have to be back. Those yeah. are the priorities. Yeah. And I think, but if you can find a way to keep Donovan Smith and pay him, I would. Yep. You know, it's just hard. If everybody's like tr- switch Tristan Wirfs to the right. left side, and we have plenty of time to talk about this in the yep. bye week, but. I think it's harder than people think to move sides. Tristan Wirfs has always been better at the right side at Iowa. Maybe he's great on the left side, but I don't know that it even matters. He faces better pass rushers. He's faced tougher pass rushers this season on the right side than Donovan Smith has. has. I'm I'm glad he's on the right side. That's where I want him, (laughs) to be honest. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's a conversation we can have moving forward. Real quick, Scott, before we get out of this show, Mm -hmm. Bucks going into the last month of the season. Quick thoughts on where they're at, where they're headed, uh, what's in store for this team after the bye. Um, I, I think as long as they come back and, and don't have any players missing due to COVID, um, and I, That's I, huge. I, I think this team should be able to go three and one, if not four and zero down the stretch. I just, I think they're, they're a better team. They've shown when they're the better team that they can beat lesser teams. And, you know, they've, they've done that against the giants hasn't always looked pretty. They've done that against the Panthers. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, that they can handle business against the Vikings, uh, Dalvin cook. Uh, it's going to present a challenge. The Bucks have done really well against the run again. He got hurt year. today. I don't know if he came back or okay. I, they were like carrying him off. I'm not sure yeah. what happened. But. You know, and, and we'll see because the Vikings, uh, you know, they'll 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 play another game and then they'll they'll mm-hmm. play the Buccaneers. So we'll see what his availability would be. But you know, I, I I think listen, it's right there for the taking. Right, they have the opportunity. Um, they control their own destiny. If they win out, they're their, their 11 wins, that's going to automatically get them in the playoffs. 10 wins, well, this year will get them in the playoffs. Nine wins, and then you kind of need some things to happen, and and you need, you know, then then you're kind of taking the ball out of, out of your court and and putting it in someone else's hand. So that's that's my initial thoughts. Right. John, yeah. We're, we're going to have, have even more time tomorrow to hash yeah. into all of this stuff, and, and uh, we're going to be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock for uh, a, a post-press conference, Pewter Report podcast. And right. then even though the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers will have six days off, six in yeah. a row. They won't be back in the building until uh, the following Tuesday. And so we'll still have podcasts on Wednesday and Thursday this week at 4 o'clock. But, uh, John, your final thoughts and take us out. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, we've got a podcast coming tomorrow, and we've got to br- we've got to break this down some more. But uh, after seeing a little bit of the tape, hopefully, uh, getting Arian's comments from tomorrow, and then we won't hear from anybody from the Bucks for for a while. But uh, we'll also take your questions tomorrow. So make sure you again hit that subscribe button, Peter Report TV on YouTube. Get those notifications uh, for when we go live. Hit that bell 
get those notifications for when we go live because if you get those notifications, you don't have to try and remember when we're on. Your phone will just remind you and it'll be great. And you can jump on here, offer your comments and criticisms. And you can, if you were Mayan Thompson, uh, you can uh, wig out a little bit over every loss. And I see you, Mayan. I see you in this chat just losing it, man. I, I'm with you. My heart breaks for you, brother. Like it's it's tough. Um and he, he wants to fire everybody. And uh, so we, we need a little bit of that. Uh, so you can jump on here with mine and you can give your comments and your criticisms and your thoughts um, on, on the game and how it's gone and, and the season and how it's gone and where it's going uh, really as the, as the rest of the season um, kind of unfolds. We've got a, a month here that the Bucks can run the table and can be peaking at the right time. And uh, in the playoffs, it's about matchups. I firmly believe that. So who do they match up with? And, and uh, you know, that'll all be stuff that we break down on this show. But first, Got to get into this bye week and got to get out of this bye week without getting crushed by COVID. I mean, it's yep. just huge. And Arians pointed out today, mm -hmm. I think he's exactly right. That's the biggest question mark for me right now is how they get out and getting out of this bye without uh, COVID issues. Because right now, it seems like almost every team is getting affected by it. And the Bucks have stayed mostly cl clear of it so far. And so you hope that continues. But easier said than done. It's just tough. Some of it's unavoidable. So we'll see how that all breaks down. We'll be back tomorrow. 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll break this down, get your comments, your criticisms, your questions. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah. Guys. It's been fun. Great show for sure from y'all. And uh, we'll, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Hopefully most of y'all join us. If not all y'all, that would be great. Uh, so until next time, thanks for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.